Greetings and salutations. It's the return of the Black History Fashion Show. It's your host, it's your boy, it's your buddy, Lester K. Hill, returning after a long hiatus. Glad to be back. Glad you're out there with me still. Uh, had to go away for a while, folks. Had a uh, had some technical difficulties, and those of you who know me know I'm not a very technically proficient person. It's enough for me to hit the power button on my phone and to be able to talk or read. Uh, also, Lester's got to work. He's got a day job, and Lester's got to eat, have somewhere to sleep, have clothes on his back. So um, I hate to go third person on you there, but I'm a little rusty today. However, I am happy to be here with you again. Happy to be restarting the Black History Fashion Show. It's needed more than ever, let me tell you. Listening to um, some of the crummy takes, some of the really, really, really poor representation of black people in, in mass media in this country. It has taken everything I've had not to just start screaming down the deserted streets of Minneapolis. So I'm glad to be back to have this outlet, hopefully not to abuse your ears with silliness like some other highly compensated podcast hosts that I know of who are redoing NBA drafts from 20 years ago and getting paid a lot of money for that. I don't know how that works. I mean, I wouldn't turn down the cash to appear, but I'm not going to do that. Also today, for real, for real, for real this time, for real. I'm not going to be on here for 90 minutes like I typically am. I always tell you it's going to be a quick show. My very first show, for those of you who've been with the podcast the entire time, you know, I say, hey, I'm going to do these 25 minutes. And it takes me 25 minutes to get out of the introduction, as you know. So just wanted to reestablish uh, contact with you all out there, let you know I'm alive. I'm well. I made it through my first Minnesota winter. Everything is fine and dandy here with the K Hills in Minneapolis. I do want to take a minute today just to do a quick show before we really come back full force. Uh, looking forward to having some great shows this spring and into the summer. Bringing back my co-host that I had on one episode, my longtime friend BT. We want to talk about um, some offerings of black culture that have been out recently. I don't want to give too much away, but we want to talk about Maybe some television shows or some uh, Netflix series or some movies that have been out recently and give our perspective on there is just ordinary run-of-the-mill black people and not the paid professional black people that you see on TV. Um, have some of that coming up. Want to talk some fashion later uh, in the spring and summer, Lord willing. So Lord willing and the coronavirus spares me. We want to be able to do that for you guys. So today... Really, I just want to do a couple of quick hits on some things that have been on my mind very recently, maybe even as of this afternoon recently, while I'm here in Lockdown City, while on quarantine to my tiny apartment here. As my hair grows, my nails grow, my facial hair grows, but my mental state shrinks. So wanted to get behind the microphone, say hello to everyone give you a couple of things on my mind and let you know that we're here and we're going to be back and we're going to have some fun like uh, we've always had before. So after the break, I will talk a, a little bit about a show that was particularly offensive uh, that was that is on Netflix right now. 
Uh, I've watched, I don't even remember how many episodes it was, three or five or six. I know I binge watched them all. It was, it was, uh, you know, I was paralyzed and held to the couch by uh, pure disgust and hatred for this program. So I'm just going to talk about it a tiny bit because it's something I'm going to come back to uh, with BT later. So I want to talk to you about Self-Made, the uh, series, the Netflix series about an important woman uh, that was treated very trivially. Uh, the series was called Self-Made. It's about Madam C.J. Walker, a far too serious a person, a far too serious a subject for the tiny children who attempted to make a program about her. So we'll talk a little bit about that after the break. And then later on the show, before we go, I want to talk about a uh, personage, uh, a personality, I should say, uh, who is considered among the black elite by some, by a few. Um, yeah, she's back on Twitter saying stupid stuff, so I thought I'd address a couple of things she said. So after the break, come back, talk about Madam C.J. Walker, and uh, we'll go from there. Glad to be back. Glad you're with me. Glad to be in your headphones. Thanks for tuning in to the Black History Factor Show. Self-made Netflix series uh, purporting to... Um, talk about, in a positive light, I suppose they meant, about a great black American hero, a woman who went by the name of Madam C.J. Walker. Sarah Breedlove was her given name. And Madam C.J. Walker, for those of you who do not know, she was America's first black female millionaire. She met a master fortune by um, selling hair care products, um, and opening beauty schools and hiring basically an army of women to go door to door like the modern Avon lady, um, you know, selling black hair care products and processes for taking care of black hair. So it doesn't sound like much, but maybe to your ears right now, but if you think back to when Madam C.J. Walker was born, which was 1867, so she was born two years after the end of the Civil War, she was born in a shack, and I've seen pictures of it, and it's just basically a shack. She's born in 1867, um, poor, <laughs> tied to the land, you know the typical story, and through her drive, through determination and through what to what her peers at the time attested to was just an extremely high character and an extremely high sense of her self-worth um she rose there's an there's an excellent documentary called two dollars in a dream that you should watch it's less than an hour long if you really want to learn about madam cj walker you should watch that documentary and avoid this thing on uh, Netflix at all costs. So Madam C.J. Walker, she uh, builds an empire. She has, um, like I said, 
hair care products for black women. So again, I'm going to take you back over 100 years. I'm going to take you back to people recently freed who were still, for the most part, um, living lives of bare subsistence, right? Uh, segregated, Jim Crowed, <laughs> sharecroppered out of regular society, lynched regularly, <laughs> and told that they were the bottom of the barrel and absolutely second-class citizens, if citizens is even the word you want to use, uh, civically, socially, and in every way, pariahs in their own country. So, Madam C.J. Walker telling black women that, first of all, this is how you take care of your hair. Now, some of you may think that's odd, but again, I'm telling you people who were not in charge of their own lives, who were treated worse than animals. So, Go and read Booker T. Washington's Up From Slavery and his description of a family he encountered in Alabama uh, and his description of having to teach them about washing utensils. <laughs> so we're talking about a people who were freed and just basically put upon the land. So, and really hadn't advanced very far beyond that in most cases. So Madam C.J. Walker coming along and saying, hey, you know what, actually... The skin you have, the hair you have, can be beautiful. The skin you have, the hair you have, is not a blight. It's not a curse. It's not anything to be ashamed of. This is how you can take care of it and style it and make it your own and improve your station, improve how you feel about yourself and how you present yourself to the world. This was enormous. I mean, going from $2 to being a millionaire should tell you the impact that she had. So she, like I said, she employed uh, black women at her factory, only black women. She employed black women in her business to go out and sell her products and to run beauty schools and salons and to do hair and to teach people how to do hair. So it was revolutionary for black women to believe that, yes, you know what, I too can be beautiful. I too can be attractive and I too can have confidence when I leave the house, right? So this is who she was, and she wasn't hardly educated. I don't, I've read that she couldn't read. I don't know if that's exactly 100% true, but um, she rose. And as she rose, she gave her money away. She uh, uh, decreed that two-thirds of her profits from her business would always go to charity. So she gave money to help start black colleges like uh, Mary McLeod Bethune or Bethune-Cookman as it's known in Florida. Um, political causes, social causes, she gave money for it. She was a philanthropist in every sense of the word. Um, just an incredible story, uh, incredible woman, built an incredible empire. Sadly, she died at age 52. Uh, she died very young. And uh, just her impact in black America is still felt to this day. So one of the criticisms and uh, that this Netflix series really didn't deal with or dealt with in a very clumsy and obtuse fashion, one of the things uh, Madam C.J. Walker insisted was that she was not selling hair straightening products. Uh, she kind of pioneered the use of the hot comb, but she was not 
wanting black women to look like white women in order to feel beautiful. That was one of the smears against her, and she would not even allow her employees to say that it was a straightening product that was not allowed. She just wanted black women to be able to do their hair in a fashion that they thought enhanced their looks. And she was all about empowering black women to be able to gain employment outside of being cooks or nannies. So that's who a little bit about who Madam C.J. Walker was. One of the things in the documentary that you'll hear from someone who knew her who said um, she always surrounded herself with smart people. And then they immediately cut to a picture of her standing with Booker T. Washington. If you watch the, the, the disgusting and sorry spectacle on Netflix, you'll see why that's important because in Self Made, they portray Booker as basically her enemy and someone who hates all women, which is offensive enough for me to do an entire podcast on, which I will do, but not today. So that's a little bit about Madam C.J. Walker. Uh, in this Netflix series, which was funded in part by LeBron James, which is just a, a stain on his <laughs> legacy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it was directed by uh, Casey Lemons, who most recent fame was uh, she directed the movie Harriet, where she got an African uh, woman um, to play Harriet, which was just ridiculous. I, um, You probably don't know this because, you know, you're just going about your life and doing your thing. And so it doesn't occur to you to, to pay attention to uh, the minor or or middling kerfuffles that occur in the black community. But black folks were kind of hot about getting an African to play Harriet Tubman. I, you know, I don't know what it is about this. I, I, it does bother me. Sorry, some of y'all might find that um, surprising. But the, the great, truly great heroes of black people in America, from Frederick Douglass to C.J. Walker to Martin Luther King to there's many... If they're going to make a movie about him, it should be played by a black American. It for sure should not be played by a you know an African. But, you know, the people who sold us over here, the people who were the proximate cause of all the misery we endured for 400 years, those folks, you don't get to play our heroes. Sorry. I'd rather have Brad Pitt play Frederick Douglass than for them to grab some Nigerian dude to play Frederick Douglass. I'm not even joking. So, yeah, this is this Casey Lemons person. She's done. She's accomplished. She's educated. She's part of the black elite. And she turned Harriet Tubman into a Wellesley College feminist, uh, third, wave fem third wave feminist who hates men and whose uh, motivation in life seems to be uh, that she's upset and angry that she was dark-skinned and not light-skinned. First of all, that's factually wrong, but, you know, I think Casey is signaling something to us about herself more than she's signaling or telling us anything about the truth about Madam C.J. Walker. But anyway, in Self Made, we get the black elite portraying itself on screen, and then but telling us it's this actual historical black person. Incredibly offensive because this particular generation of black leaders is the least accomplished, the most cowardly, uh, most lacking in vision generation of black leaders ever in the history of America. And so 
they have control over the reins of entertainment and how black people are portrayed in around the world now. And they take their insecurities, they take their ignorance, they take their arrogance, and they just throw it on screens all over the world. And so here, this, they turn Madam C.J. Walker into what they wish they were, or what they pretend to be or hope to be and what their friends are. And they turn her into this angry feminist who hated men. Uh, they made her color obsessed. Now, is there some of that in the black community? There is, but that's not really what Madam C.J. Walker was about. I mean, it goes on and on. Every episode <laughs> is about her color versus some other woman's color. It's gross and stupid. And ahistorical. But let's move on. And finally, like I said earlier, it portrays Booker T. Washington as someone standing in her way who only reluctantly decides to help her in the most minor of ways, which is, again, not historical, not true. But it's in keeping with uh, Casey Lemon's uh, apparently unquenchable, unsatiable hatred of black men in her silly movie Harriet. She has the Harriet Tubman character saying to the Frederick Douglass character, what did you ever do for black people? Now, the person who wrote that line, the person who said that line, and the person who thought that that line was okay, should have immediately realized that they were uttering or, say, or writing the dumbest sentence in the history of the English language. But they didn't. They thought that that was something really telling and, you know, a point that needed to be across, that, to get across, that Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass did nothing for black people. Okay, so these are, these are the kind of people that we're dealing with here in America. This is what I live with every day. Uh, I'm represented by people. I don't know if... It's some sort of blend of complete ignorance of, of black history, of their own history. And it's, it's combined with this, this uh, desire this <laughs> to just tear down. I, I, it's not even iconoclasm. It doesn't even rise to that level. It's, they just want to tear down. Uh, true black heroes, they really want to abase themselves in front of their white friends for some reason. And typically this is on the left, although it is on the right very strongly as well. Strongly, like Trump says. I'm being, I'm, <laughs> I'm turning into a Trumpkin. It's, uh, it exists very strongly on the right as well to somehow like, if we just denigrate black heroes or if we just make black people look stupid or foolish, my white friends will like me. I've seen that over the course of my life, but now it's, this, this, uh, but, but typically that was like in fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Where you see it now is with, again, the people with the, the most, you know, the extended reach, the, the, the capacity, um, the education, the influence to really try to make black people look silly. And I don't know what they think they're gaining by that. But anyway, avoid self made. I'm just going to give you that short criticism. Avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. If you want to watch it, make sure that uh, you have a bag to vomit in right next to you. If you care about black people at all.
um, if you really want to see black people made to look silly and, um, you know, obsessed with the fact that they can't be white, then self-made is the show for you. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Put your hood on, um, you know, get your hood on and, uh, have birth of a nation queued up right after and you'll, you'll enjoy it. So, Okay. We're going to go to another break. I, I, I had to get that out about this about this show. It was just, it's, it's just of a piece. It's, it's not the only show out there like that. It's not the only TV show or, or cultural portrayal of blacks that is just completely offensive that is being done by blacks. So um, I'm going to call them out when I see them because no one else does. And uh, that's what I'm offering to you. So after the break, we'll come back. So I just pilloried Casey Lemons, LeBron, who I love on the basketball court and for his school, but otherwise he's kind of shaky. I just pilloried Casey Lemons, the black elite who are typically leftists. After the break, I got to talk to you about this black person who's on the right who has some popularity. She ain't that bright. And I think she's just in it for the money. So we'll talk about that after the break. short i think i'm doing pretty good on time so i want to keep it short and uh sweet today so we can all go back to our prison cells um (laughs) all right so as you know i'm not on the left not at all and i don't even know how the right is defined anymore i would have placed myself on the right and i have placed myself on the right i would say for most of my adult life um to varying degrees of dismay or confusion I have you know I've seen and heard things on the right where I just was like oh my gosh why am I even around these people but uh, these days the best I can tell you is I'm not on the left I did not vote for Donald Trump I did not vote for Hillary Clinton and it it was the first presidential election where I did not vote at all I would have been happy with whoever lost Um, although I can say Trump has been pleasantly surprising in many areas Um, so not unhappy that he's president. Um, but I don't know that I would say that I'm on the right. I'm still registered as a Republican. I don't know why I've been wanting to leave the party since probably about the late 90s, but somehow I'm still registered as a Republican. I don't know why I do that, but I do. Um, but I am. I'm, so I've seen, I've traveled in circles not recently. I can't say I have recently, but I have traveled in Republican circles, right-wing circles. I've been around, uh, you know, black conservatives, professional black conservatives, who I think are just in it for the money, many of them. Some of them are just because it's a place to go. I mean, the left has a thousand blacks that they can stick a microphone in front of, right? And the right doesn't have as many, so it's a place you can go and you know, make some make some dough, say some stuff, get your name out there a little bit, whether you believe it or not. So, I mean, no harm in doing what the white folks do, right? Black people can lie just as well as anyone else and misrepresent themselves just as well as any other group. So why not, right? Anyway, flavor of the month right now in black conservative circles is Candace Owens. I really don't have much beef with Miss Owens because I really don't think her impact is that great. I know she has lots of rallies and she's part of this thing called 
Blexit, which is a dumb name in the first place. But um, and she was with Turning Point USA, and she's on Twitter a lot, and she's been in front of Congress, you know, yelling at liberals, and you know that seems to be her thing, arguing and trying to be snarky. And believe me, look, I know that's the pot. That's the pot talking, right? Your your boy, yes, I know. I'm king of snark, right? You follow me on Twitter or you read anything I've written or listen to this podcast, you know I'm not above snark. You know I'm actually trying to perfect snark on a regular basis. So it's not to slam her for being that, but man, <laughs> you got to know a little bit about what you're talking about before you start talking, right? You before the brain, before you get that little gearbox down the D on your brain, on, on, on your mouth, you should already have your brain already down to D and in drive before your mouth gets there. And she frequently does not do that. Um, what was it, last year? Maybe it was a little bit longer than that. Where I really marked her out. <laughs> I don't follow her on Twitter. I don't. But uh, people I follow, sometimes they just put her on my timeline. That's where I encounter her mostly or in different video clips. She, <laughs> I, I forget who, who even she was responding to or what she was commenting about. But she, she made the comment, black people were better off in the 40s <laughs> than they are now. I can't even say that without laughing. And, uh, you know, that's self-evidently wrong. Black people were not black people were not better off in the 1940s than they are now in uh, 2020. I, I just made a little list for myself where I put 1940 on the left, 2020 on the right, and down the middle I wrote various uh, um, items, issues, and I would put a check mark if black people were better off in 19 in 2020, or I'd put a check mark under 1940 if black people were better off in 1940. It was kind of lopsided. And really, that's all it takes for you to do. It takes a couple minutes, and you can kind of see where we are on the on the racial equity spectrum, if you're black or white or, or, or whatever. And the fact that this person who has, I don't know, she has a million followers, certainly has tens of thousands at least followers and makes public speeches would say something that dumb. It's just, just ridiculous to me. So things I can do in 1920 that I could, I mean, 2020 that I could not do in 1940 or things I could participate in or do without violence being, you know, or the, out the, the fear of violence being uh, sprung upon me. So vote. How about that? Live where I want, you know, buy a house where I want or rent where I want. How about that? I can do that now. Not 1940. Military. Military is integrated. I have relatives in the military serving right alongside uh, their white counterparts and their great love and patriotism for this country. Um, sports are integrated, right? 1940, <laughs> baseball wasn't integrated. Football, there wasn't even an NBA to integrate. But, uh, you know, sports, uh, I can eat where I want. That's very important to me. Well, I, I like to go out and eat. Uh, I can eat where I want. There, there's no, I don't have to go around the back door like my mother did, like my father did. To go to a grocery store, they had to go to the back window of a grocery store and tell the clerk what they wanted and they would leave it at a with uh, in a bag for them if they felt like getting the stuff that they wanted those are my parents that was the 50s but i can eat where i want i can go in any grocery store i want no problem nobody's calling the cops 
and I'm not going to catch a beating from a mob just because I go get a coffee somewhere. Uh, I can go to any of the local establishments here when they're open and not under quarantine. I can go walk a couple of blocks and go sit down and have a nice whiskey and talk to whomever I want, which I've done since I've been here. I've done my whole life. Even before I was drinking age, but that's another podcast. Um, what else can I do? Oh, I don't even have to do this. If someone discriminates, discrimination now is in my favor. I can get into schools with lower test scores than other groups. I can get jobs. They have to interview me. Because now the weight, the government has its thumb on the scale, on my side of the scale. So if you don't interview me, if you don't hire me, if you don't allow me into your school, and I just even have the whiff of discrimination, I got the government on my side, baby, with, with the deepest pockets in the world, and they can sue you into non-existence. Didn't have that in 1940, right? Um the poverty rate for blacks was higher in the 1940s, right? The unemployment rate was higher for blacks in the 1940s. We can just go on down the line. Now, 1940, what 1940 had going for it? Okay. Um, lynching. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, if I wanted to have a rope tied around my neck, for real, and not like uh, Jesse Smollett, if I really wanted to have a rope tied around my neck and be swinging from a tree and have all my oxygen cut off and have my eyes bulge out if I was really into that sort of thing, Hey, 1940s, place to be, baby. Um, I will give 1941 positive. Black families were more intact than they are now. Yes, 100% true. So put that one on the board for 1940. I wish we had that family structure back in 2020 that we had in 1940. Yes, I'll concede that one to Miss Owens. The rest of this, I'm not going to concede to her. So... And then today she made a silly statement about how New York was going to be depopulated because of this virus. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, people have been saying New York was going to be depopulated for 120 years. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this kind of just you, you just don't care that you're ignorant in public. I try to prepare for my podcast that like 30 of you, 30 of y'all listen to. Right. I try to not to be wrong on that. I certainly would try to watch my language or my words if I had literally millions of people going to dissect them I would try to be very circumspect in what I said right she doesn't and that leads me to what I've seen before you just want to say something to say something you really don't know what you're talking about and it really doesn't matter because you're a boutique item who cares you're on our side we have see we have blacks too and it doesn't matter if the, what the black person is saying makes sense or not. You just got to show up and check the pigment box. And then people on the right think that you're okay. And then you want to show up and get a check and really stop understanding who you are, where you are, where you're from, and the people you should be trying to help. You just want to parrot what your cool white friends are saying. I've seen it many times before and will continue to see it down the line I'm sad to say so you know some of y'all out there might think very highly of Candace and she might be a very nice person very tidy probably pays her taxes on time you know great she does not speak for me she does not speak for I, I know this she does not speak for most black people and 
it's just another failure of the black elite to have any creativity, to have any kind of independent thought. How about that? How about can we have a black elite that thinks ahead, thinks about the situations we all know exist in our community still to this day, and thinks about ways that we could speak for those people, work with those people, um, and an old phrase from Madam CJ's day, uplift the race. That's an awkward and clumsy phrase that no one uses anymore, with good reason. Uh, but think about who you are and the station you have. Before you say something like, black people were better off under Jim Crow than they are now. Really, Candace? All right, y'all. Um, I have kept my word. I know this thing is under 35 minutes. I'll go back and look, but I'm quite sure I'm under 35 minutes today. And if I'm not, I'm just barely over. So good to be back with everyone. I just want to give you a couple of um, thoughts that have been bouncing around in my head. And like I said, I look forward to great spring, great summer uh, podcasting and having some fun. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping you guys enjoy this too. You can... Um, follow me on Twitter, look up Lester Cahill or at the BHFS, right, podcast. You can find me on Twitter. Also, I have been blogging a little bit at Dominguez Valley Hospital. I think it's .blogspot.com. It's a WordPress blog, but just look up Dominguez Valley Hospital. Dominguez, D-O-M-I-N as in Nancy, G-U-E-Z, Dominguez Valley Hospital. Um, so we can stay in touch in those ways. So thank you. Glad to be back. I hope you're glad I'm back. And even if you're not, I'm going to keep running my mouth. You know who I am. So until next time, later, homies.